Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Inside the Five. It's Will. Stuff. And it's Griff. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about the World Series, a little NBA news, NFL trade deadline reactions, as well as NFL Week 8 recap. What are we saying, boys? Let's do it. All right, welcome back, everybody. We're getting to straight into action here with the World Series. We're looking at Game 3 of the World Series tonight at the night of this recording. So it would have been yesterday. The series tied at 2-2. We're still in Philadelphia – or 1-1, sorry. I'm getting way too ahead of myself. Um, still in Philadelphia, Stav, and so far, so good for your predictions. I mean, before we got into a legal argument with Wicks – the uh, my article has actually proven to be right up to this point. I said if the Philadelphia Phillies want to win this World Series, they have to take one in Houston, and in fact, that's what they did. I think that this team is way too good at home during the playoffs to necessarily. Lo- I don't want to say to lose because Houston's pretty good. Obviously, they're where they are for a reason. But yep. you have Lance McCullers going up against Ranger Suarez tonight. It's a little bit of an iffy matchup tonight, the night of this recording. Um, so, like you said, Griff, series tied one to one, but Philly is going to be rocking. Like, I, I can't state this enough. This is one of the last home field advantages that we have in the MLB. Like, you go into Citizens Bank Field at um, in Philly, and it's just a different atmosphere. And we're going to see it tonight. I mean, I expect the bats to be popping. I'm not a betting man. I haven't bet in a while. Shout out to me, but I don't bet the over for this game. I, I, there's going to be so much good batting. I, it's going to be electric, and I'm very excited to see what happens with these Phillies. I mean, do we want to talk about the cheating scandal that happened with, in Game Two with the Astros? Uh yeah, I dude, I don't think. I think it's just getting blown out of proportion, like like everything does, especially with the World Series. I think people just need to calm down. Like, people just go too far with things. Like, it, I mean, every pitcher has, like, their own little ticks. Like, being a pitcher is such a meticulous job to have. And, like, you get caught for doing, like, the weirdest little things where you don't think about it at all in that moment in time. I think people are just overreacting. And it gets kind of annoying to me, but I understand why people do it. People do it just to, like, have something to talk about. I mean, it's an easy target. It's the Astros. I mean, why not pick on the Astros in the World Series off of a potential cheating scandal again? I mean, 
like you said, Griff, obviously pitching is a very meticulous thing. You don't really know what exactly he was doing. Yes, he might have been using a foreign substance. We don't know. I don't think anything came out about that. And then wasn't there also one about the bats too? I didn't hear anything about the bats. I didn't hear anything about the bats either. I think I think I forgot who it was. I want to say. Oh, 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 Maldonado. Martin Maldonado. Yeah, he got in trouble for using yep. Albert Pulos bats. There were yeah, like so or something. That that was that was the stupidest rule. So out. Albert Poulos' bat back in 2010 was banned in the MLB. But because yeah. Albert Poulos was using the bat prior to that ban, he could grandfather it, right? So he was allowed yeah. to use it, but, like, nobody else was. But Albert Poulos gifted that said bat to Martin Maldonado, and Martin Maldonado used it in World Series Game 1, not knowing that – it was banned because it was banned 10 years ago and it was grandfather because Albert Pujols literally gave it to him like, this year. Did he even do anything with that bat? Like, did he get a hit? No, he, he probably didn't. But no, like, I actually, I want to say that he had at least an RBI. Oh, no, he didn't. Nope, he went over there. Yeah, so, <laughs> so it, it's not like that was a big deal. And that's probably why we didn't even, like, remember it at first. But I don't think that's a big deal. And Griff, to your point, I don't think that there actually is any cheating going on. It's it's on the world's biggest stage, basically. And they it, it wouldn't fly. The MLB would have done a full blown investigation right now. And it's not like the Astros are necessarily cheating if the MLB isn't catching. You know what I mean? In, in that sense, exactly. hypothetically, they're doing checks every. It's not cheating until you get caught. Yeah, exactly. It, it's like he they're doing checks every inning. They're doing the same protocols. Yeah. It's not his. It's not his fault if he doesn't get caught. That's my opinion on it. And they ended up winning that game five to two in game one. The Phillies, Phillies had um, an extra innings. I just feel like this team is way too good. You know what I mean? It feels like it's a team of destiny. JT Romito yeah. game one hit a game. What would be the game winning home run over uh, the little right field short porch? And I think this, the the roof was closed. So shout out to Yankees fans. Maybe they were right that the ball travels another few feet for JT Real Muto, but it didn't for Aaron Judge. I think that's hilarious. But <laughs> it, it's exactly what – I mean, it's just the recipe, right? So what did I, I – I wish I had the article right in front of me so I could go down the bullet points and list exactly what I said. But I know I said but don't I get overwhelmed by the moment. And Houston went down 5 nothing to start this game. They didn't get overwhelmed. They battled back and they tied the game by the fifth, Right. Right. And then I was like, the bullpen needs to play well. The bullpen needs to continue doing their thing. And that's what they did. From the sixth inning on – or I'm sorry. From the fourth inning on, once the um, once the Phillies made the switch into the pen, they did not let up a run. And that is exactly what you need to do. The bullpen needs to be on fire. Sir, uh, Sir Anthony Dominguez has been playing awesome this postseason. Dave Robertson has been playing great as well. Like he, He's been a solidified closer for these guys. And this was the biggest um, – question for this team heading into the postseason so now that these guys are actually um these guys are actually performing it's really hard to root or vote against the phillies to win going forward yeah i mean you're exactly right about it and we're looking at two different teams from each side really of the bracket you're looking at the top of the al and then the bottom of the nl in the playoffs and it's really just about within the last month, who's going to be hotter? And it really has been Philadelphia, and, and it really isn't even close. In my opinion, I don't really get how the Astros made it. I mean, they swept the Yanks in kind of a fashion where it was like, 
I feel like anybody that played the New York Yankees in the ALCS is automatically going to win. And and Houston, who has been dominant all year, they've seen a lot of their guys who usually are producing in massive amounts have not been doing the same. They somehow got to the World Series, so you get a little nervous. But Philadelphia has been the better team. And, and if you watch everything from the start of this playoffs, it looks like if, if you took the records away, it looks like Philadelphia is the better team, in my opinion. And I think that's going to, I mean, you know, series tied one-to-one. It's exactly what you said, Stav. They got one in Houston, and they needed to. It was a big one. Game postponed, which, I mean, was an absolute I hate that. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that games should be postponed in the World Series. I think if you have a start at 1 a.m., you start at 1 a.m. I, that would I be think electric. that, like, whenever the rain stops is when where it go. This is the World Series. You don't cancel games. Um, but the next game being played the next day gives another day of rest for pitchers, by the way. So that's going to be a whole different, like, kind of change up thrown towards managers who's on the bump. Um, game four, game five now. Um, it kind of helps out with the rotations. Everybody is rested one more day. I don't know if that could hurt or help Philadelphia, but with such a veteran team, I think the day off helps Houston a lot more than it does Philly. I think Philly's trying to ride all the momentum they have. No, oh, exactly. I mean, obviously, these next two games for Philly are probably the most important games of the series going forward. If they can take at least one, if not both, they're in a position to win very quickly, especially against a very good Astros team. Yeah, I mean, can't say it better myself. How about let's hop into some NBA news. Um, Steve Nash, I feel like we've been saying this yeah, forever. Steve Nash got fired, and I said this should have happened, what, like, Four months ago, five months ago. We've been saying this since like last season. Yeah. So and long ago. It, it, whatever. I, I, about time. I, I feel like this was yep. coming within. And another thing. All right. Hold on. How can you mutually fire someone or agree to part weight? You know what I mean? It's like the Nets definitely called well, When the report comes out him. that he's fired, that means he's fired. And then they came out later and they were like, yeah, they yeah. mutually. Agreed. No, they did not. He got fired. They did yeah. not it's like mutually Joseph, agree. Steve Nash probably didn't want to be there anymore, but at the end of the day, he got fired. He yeah, was fired. So it's like he gets fired, right? Or he gets called into the office. The owner's like, Yeah, listen, we're gonna we're gonna let you go, whatever. He's like, Yes, I let myself go as well. That's not is that what happened? Is that a mutual parting of ways where he also fires himself? Whatever. Um, but leading candidate to take over that job is former or current technically Celtics head coach, Ime Udoka. And I don't really know what to make of this, boys. It's like he's a defensive-minded head coach, but they don't have any defensive pieces at all. Like Nick Nick Claxton's pretty good. Ben Simmons, obviously. But, like, other than that, it's like I don't trust Kevin Durant to get me a stop. I don't trust Kyrie Irving to get me a stop when it matters. And there's way too many attitudes on that team where yeah. they're going to – I actually think they're going to end up blowing up the the team before the deadline. I, well, I don't see this okay. team going anywhere. Here's I hate what I'm a bit confused about is if they go out and they hire Ime Udoka, when does he start? He's serving a year-long suspension from the, from the Celtics. Franchise that he was a part of, he's no longer a part of this franchise. Could he be the Nets coach? I mean, their next game, like, I don't really get how that happens. And, and uh, another question I had before, but I actually already answered this. So if you guys have, or anybody listening has this question as well was, um, 
is there going to be any draft compensation that the Nets have to give up? Kind of like how the how Doc Rivers um, to the Clippers was back way back then. Um, and it turns out, no, Boston is not requiring anything during this time. And, I mean, I guess we're just full gears in with Joe Missoula, which I actually don't mind. I want to say that I'm not mad at that at all. I feel like that's kind of a boost that we need. I feel like the Nets are already falling off. So the fact that we're kind of putting all our trust in Joe Missoula gives him a little bit more freedom and a little bit more confidence about his job. And kind of we're going forward, this is his team, and it's going to be his team for a while now. And I think that we love Yume. We had one year with him. We didn't really get a huge sample size of him. So who knows what he's going to turn into. But at the same time, we have another guy that's been in the organization for years that the GM loves, that the past GM loved so much that he tried to get him to be the head coach of the Utah Jazz this past summer. I think that we're going to be just fine with Joe Missoula. I mean, in terms of looking at it from a Boston Celtics perspective. I was going to say, I think us making the finals last year plays a big role in the reasoning for just wanting to let him go. I feel like at that point, like we got over that hump. We know how to yeah. do it. We know how to get back. We don't really necessarily – like, obviously, Ime is a good coach. We don't necessarily – like, Missoula's doing well. We all like him. The players like him. Like, the organization likes him. I don't see the reason why they're just like, oh, well, if we, we can probably get there with Missoula, we definitely can. Like, there's no – I feel like the pressure of letting Ime go for possibly signing back, which he might not even – after suspension, he might not even come back anyway. Like, we don't, we don't, we don't know. And – by the thought that they're willing to just let him go probably means that that one-year suspension would have just been he's not coming back anyways. Did you guys see Jalen Brown's Instagram story? No. No. It's Woj's Instagram post of Emei getting hired by the Nets. And he just didn't say anything about it? He just posted it? 14 minutes ago, yeah. I mean, it's motivation. That's all yeah, that it is. They, I, I they definitely are well. pissed about that. I know. Will I? Agree yeah, because that has nothing to do with the organization. He violated the organization's rules, and yeah. then he went and he left the team because he got suspended because of it. Yeah, yeah. and then I feel the like he was definitely pissed. I feel like that one-year suspension was literally just like, okay, well, like we can't, we don't like he violated team rules. We can't have him coach. Like that's our team rule. But like, I feel like having him, letting him go, they were just going to let him go anyways. It just delayed. It just sped up the process basically. And shout out yeah. the nets for literally like, they know all this stuff is going on. You have so many problems within your locker room right now. So you just bring him along to add more like to the problems and the leaks are already. And, and out. we don't even know the extent of really what yeah. happened. Now the Celtics know everything. They could just throw everything out there and then he's not going to be a head coach of an NBA team ever again. Like, we yeah, don't know man. how bad or, like, what ha- what even happened. All we know is that he was in a relationship with a staff member. And the there's leaks that are coming out as we speak of him giving inappropriate text messages to the coworkers, too. So there's, it's literally in proof as well. So there's a lot of things that are going on that we don't know and we can't really comment mm-hmm. on at the same time. But there's a lot, and the Nets are literally just willing to overlook that. That just proves how much of a garbage. I don't even think they thought about it because because the GM Marks over there has been with Emei when Emei was in San Antonio, and then he brought Emei to be part of Steve Nash's uh, coaching tree under under Steve Nash. So I mean, he just is in love with this guy. He doesn't care about what he did, and I mean, who knows how bad, especially with the world that we live in today. If he does anything that crosses any sort of line, he's done. 
And so, not only I mean, that, it, it really just doesn't make sense for a team to make a move on a coach who's currently suspended per year by a, a different team. Not only a different team, but I mean, an interdivision rival and a bad just blood rival. All the all the firepower to, I mean, like, I mean, I guess you could say ruin this guy's life if they want to, depending on how bad whatever he did was. And, and like, I like him. But who knows what he did? Like, this is – February 1st is the t- is the first time that the Nets come to the Garden to face the Celtics. Yep. The ne- that environment is going to be so wild. Like, that is a game I really want to go to because of just the uh, how everything's going to be shaking up, um, the electricity. That's going to be a playoff game. That's going to be finals-esque game. I know, obviously, they're both in the Eastern Conference. I'm not dumb, but it's like the environment of Ime – Kyrie Irving returning, and all the rumors of Jalen Brown, KD swap, the first time in the Garden. That's going to be nuts. That that better be like nationally televised. That better be ESPN's top storyline for weeks before. Yeah, and that's how you promote the NBA. It's going to be nuts, and it's going to launch kind of like an unnecessary rivalry between these two teams. And I think the Celtics are just going to pound them. I think that the Celtics, I mean, we're built to match up against the Brooklyn Nets at their best. And they're so, such a struggling team right now. Um, Cause if you look at, if you compare our two rosters, I, I, I know Kevin Durant and Jason Tatum is like, you want to say Kevin Durant, we have a way better team than they do. And in February 1st, Rob will is going to be there as well. I mean, hopefully. So I, I'm not nervous about the Nets. I also want to say that I'm not nervous about the Heat or the 76ers or the Bucks. Like I, I we're the best team in the league. I'm sorry. We I was are. gonna say I don't even think this changes anything with the Nets. To be no, honest. it does. It doesn't. It really doesn't because it, it it's the same thing that's happening in Philadelphia. Is when you get huge personalities on one team that I mean, we the the only people that we have seen succeed on this team are Kevin Durant when he joined the Warriors, which was, I mean, a superstar team and Kyrie Irving in his first couple of years with the Cavs, when I don't want to say he was getting carried by LeBron because in my opinion, he wasn't, but he is a whole different man on and off the court than he was when he was doing dances on the sideline with the Cavaliers with J.R. Smith in like 2014, 2015. That's when Kyrie Irving was pure and, and, and just, I mean, purely focused on basketball. And, I mean, there's a bunch of news going around with Kyrie Irving right now as well. Like, these things don't look good for an organization, and they, I promise, will not lead to any wins, any, any, especially in the playoffs. It never stops with Kyrie Irving. Like, I feel like everyone's in unison here when we talk about this. The talent isn't deniable. Kyrie Irving's one of the best players in the NBA. This can be – over and over again it's just the baggage that he brings to a team whether that be cancerous behavior in the locker room just throwing everyone under the bus as we saw in boston as we saw in cleveland blaming the coaches as we've seen he's been on three teams he's been in the nba for nine seasons or 12 seasons and had has had nine nba coaches that's ridiculous that's ridiculous and for one nba player a superstar player at that a max contract type player to be consistently having his name in the news for negative reasons, it, it's not a good sign. And then you bring in a coach who is in the news right now for negative reasons, along with another superstar in Ben Simmons, who doesn't play basketball anymore. He's afraid. Who's afraid. He's I mean, he's afraid like of Duncan. He, he, he's afraid of playing basketball. And then you have Kevin Durant 
one of the best players of all time. And when Kevin Durant, he he's used to having his name in the news. And when he's the most normal player on your team, there's something wrong. Like yeah. he he's I, I love KD. I, I have nothing against KD, obviously, but like that whole team, the dynamic right now is so weird. And they're literally doing everything every other team is not trying to do in keeping the noise down. They just love the noise, and it's really bad. No, I mean, you're very right. It, it, it's been – it's going to continue to be a bad look. And it started with – I mean, when they fired Steve Nash, the first thought was, okay, like, who's next? I was kind of hoping they just went with an interim. And, and this – I mean, the Nets have started 2-5 and five this season – Obviously, it's a very long season. They're looking for KD to carry them. And when – I mean, I was watching – so last last night, Monday Night Football was obviously on, but on the other TV, you know how sometimes the NBA does, like, their version of Red Zone? It's called, like, NBA Crunch Time. I was I was watching that, and I, I was watch watching that. that, and they looked atrocious. Like, they were up – I want to say, like, 24 points at some point. Um, came back – in the fourth, the Pacers did. They tied it up. The Nets ended up winning the game. But um, that's their second win of the season. They are now 2-5. and five. KD had 36. And Chris Duarte of the Pacers went off on them. This team has no defense. I mean, their starting lineup for this game was Kyrie, Joe Harris, Royce O'Neal, KD, Nick Claxton. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this. But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. That is an awful team. That is an awful team. There are very solid pieces on this team. Joe Harris is not a starter in this league. In my opinion, I, I actually don't mind Nick Claxton. He can't shoot free throws to save his life. I kind of like Nick Claxton, though. Very good, um, very tall and athletic. Nick Claxton isn't a center on a championship team. Like, he, he really isn't that good. And then Royce O'Neal, I mean, is a bench warmer. And he's yeah. starting for the yeah. Brooklyn Nets. And, and, and you want to look at their bench – it gets even worse. I think their best bench player is Mark Markeith Morris, not even Marcus, the worst of the Morris twins. This team is terrible. Ime isn't going to really do anything to help them because Ime is good with a young team that can build around him. And a team that wants to play. So Exactly. He has to go and shape himself to be a whole different coach, coach a whole different style. It's not going to work out. Nothing is going to work for this Brooklyn Nets team. Yeah, they're they're – as good as done there in last place in the Atlantic division to start the season when they probably have one of the highest payrolls in basketball. That's I, yeah, I yeah. feel like, I feel like payroll isn't really talked about in the NBA as often as it should, because you look at a team like the Toronto Raptors who right now, I, the Raptors, I will never give credit to for some reason. I just think they're bad every single year, but like they always are competing. They're always in the playoffs. They're always like doing whatever. They always have decent players on low contracts. Like you look at Van Vliet, I think he just got the bag, but 
Siakam, you look at Scotty Barnes, you you look at uh, OG Adenobi, you look at uh, who who's that guy on the Raptors that everyone in the NBA just says is. I'm sorry, this is terrible journalism, but um, everybody says what? There's one guy. Is it OG Adenobi, who everyone just says he's the best player in the NBA? I see so many quotes saying that OG Adenobi is the best defender. He's the most athletic. Yeah, so it's weird. But anyways, yeah, that's Raptors talk. But like, yeah, the Nets, where do you go from here? And like, you want to talk about terrible teams that are celebrated for no reason. Let's talk about the Los Angeles Lakers for a sec. They just picked up their first win of the season last night against the Denver Nuggets. Mm-hmm. That team is awful. They're mm-hmm. worse than the Nets, in my opinion. Like, let's look at this roster right now. I'm going to just list the roster. Ready? Patrick Beverly, Troy Brown, Thomas Bryant, Max Christie, Anthony Davis, Wenyan Gabriel, LeBron, Damian Jones, Kendrick Nunn, Scottie Pippen Jr., Austin Reeves, Matt Ryan, Dennis Schroeder, Cole Snyder, Sniper, Juan Toscano Anderson, Lonnie Walker, and Russell Westbrook. That team sucks. That team is <laughs> like that team isn't good when all these guys are in their prime either. You're right. And you're talking about Troy Brown Jr. and you had like a little look like who the heck is this guy? He's starting for them. He is yeah. the starting small forward for the Los Angeles Lakers is Troy Brown Jr. And last night, I mean, the starting lineup that they went with in their first game, not last night, but Sunday night, um, was Lonnie Walker, who I actually don't mind, but he's not a he's not a two guard. They had Pat Bev at the one, Troy Brown Jr. at the three. And then LeBron at the four and AD at the five. And, and running those two at the four and the five, it seems like that's like the perfect thing. And for some reason, it just never works. They need another big out there. In my opinion, they need a five. I, I would like to see Anthony Davis run the four again with LeBron at the three and maybe even keep Pat Bev and Lonnie Walker at the one and the two with Russ off the bench, who played 32 minutes off the bench and actually didn't do too bad in the first win. And Another position that I think that they desperately need to pick up is a three-point wing. Their best three-point shooter and someone who got 12 minutes and is getting around 12 to 15 minutes a game is Matt Ryan. And Matt Ryan, who we know was on the Celtics last year, he played in a total of one game for the Boston Celtics last year. He's getting quality minutes this year for the Los Angeles Lakers. They're an absolute dumpster fire. Um, I can't believe they beat the Nuggets, but that's kind of just how the regular season goes. You know, wins and losses throughout the regular seasons. Uh, bumps and bruises, but that wasn't a good quality win for the Lakers. I don't know how many good quality wins they will get. They're sitting at one and five right now. And um, at the night that this recording drops on November 2nd, they're playing the Pelicans. And I think the Pelicans beat them by at least 10. And four and right, Pelicans. And you, you want to, this, like, this Lakers team is terrible. So, like, not only, like we, we list how bad they are at three point shooting, but they hawk, they shoot so many threes. Oh, yeah. They shoot them, they don't go in. Game one, they shot 10 of 40. Game two against the Clippers, they shot 9 of 45. Game three, I'm literally saying this on the fly. I don't even – I'm just, like, scrolling through their box scores. Like, game uh, three against the Trailblazers, 6 of 33. Game against the Nuggets the first time around, they shot 8 of 30. 
And against the Timberwolves on Friday night, they shot nine of 29. Yep. And against the Nuggets in the win, I bet they shoot better. I mean, they had no, they shot 13 of 30. Actually, that's not even awful. That's actually the yeah. So they shot forty three percent exactly, but they've been atrocious from three point. And when they're hitting them, like when LeBron or uh, Anthony Davis didn't even shoot a three, which is surprising. But Lonnie Walker goes three of five. Matt Ryan goes two of three, and Russ and Austin Reeves both go two of four from three. Then you're bound to win. Like if that if Russell Westbrook is hitting his threes, then you're bound to win. And, and, and Matt, and Matt Ryan getting quality minutes just sums up the Lakers team. Like, you literally don't even have to explain anything further than that. If you just list Matt Ryan gets 15 minutes a game for the Los Angeles Lakers, you just know the state of them. Yeah, and I mean, we're looking at – we've been looking at the East as Celtics fans naturally do. And, you know, Milwaukee's up there. Cleveland, who we lost a tough game to, is up there. We, we are obviously up there. Toronto, Atlanta hasn't been too bad. And then you get around to the 500 teams like Philly and New York. Um, but on the Western Conference, it's been a bit of surprise with the Portland Trailblazers being 5-1. And, one. and, and um, obviously, there's a couple more teams up there like Phoenix 5-1. and one, And then another surprise, in my opinion, the Utah Jazz at 6-2, and two, who have a great coaching staff and a couple of guys who have kind of stepped up. And, and one of those guys being Kelly Olynyk on the jazz in clutch time. He's shooting a hundred percent from three in clutch time. And he has the third most clutch time points, clutch time being the last two minutes. I want to say within a single digit game, last two minutes of the game, Kelly Olenek has 20 points. He's shooting 100% from behind the line, which is insane. I hate Kelly Olenek, by the way, for all of you wondering, but back to the trailblazers sitting at five and one and they've beat like quality teams. Now they've beaten Denver, the only loss they had was to Miami um, in a game where, I mean, it, this team is just so weird where, where Damian Lillard is obviously the best player on this team, but I kind of want to see Anthony Simons get the ball more. And, and I think this is the team that I was talking about um, with Shaden Sharp, their rookie. This is who I had at the beginning, um, beginning of the season as rookie of the year, kind of my dark horse. And he's not, he's not doing too bad over there. And if this team keeps winning, they make the playoffs like I said they could. I mean, averaging nine points a game right now, that could be up for Shaden Sharp. The guards have been really carrying Portland. So I just wanted to throw them in this episode, kind of a little shout-out. They, they've been doing great. Nurkic averaging over 10 boards a game. Dame dropping 31 a game right now. They, I mean, they've been super solid. In Portland. Another, another team I wanted to give a shout-out to, especially in the Western Conference, the Utah Jazz. This yep. is a team that everyone – there's a general consensus that this team would be the worst team in the NBA, like them or the the Rockets, obviously, certain teams mm-hmm. that are rebuilding. But this team literally just traded away their two best superstars. Like Rudy Gobert, constant threat to be a defensive player of the year, and Donovan Mitchell, one of the best young stars in the NBA, one, like a fan favorite too. Yep. And insert Laurie marketing, averaging 23 points, almost getting 10 rebounds, and then Mike Conley getting seven assists. It, it's unbelievable what they're doing. And this team, Colin Sexton is playing how Colin Sexton needs to play aggressive yes. ha- and like just like just digging in and having like a great season thus far. 
Same thing with Laurie Market and as I said, Jordan Clarkson. Like this team is better than the Lakers. They're way better than the Lakers. You're right, Stav. And a reason why they're better than the Lakers is because you look at their starting five and you're like, wow, the Lakers would pound them, right? But you look at these not even second string, but third string. And then when this team is fully healthy, when their rookie center, Walker Kessler comes back and Rudy Gay comes back, this team is gonna be set. And I'd like to see a lineup where they go small ball at some point this season where they have Conley, Clarkson, and Sexton out on the court at the same time, and then you throw Markin in, the two big white guys, Markin in and Olenek up top um, in the front court, this team could actually get very dangerous just with their depth. They have Nikhil Alexander-Walker on their team who um, was on the Clippers prior, uh, Shy Gilligas-Alexander's cousin, by the way, Canadian. Um I don't know why I threw in that he was Canadian, but he is a very good option. We're also seeing Oche Ogbaji get a few minutes a game. I want to see him get ramped up. They have Taylor Horton Tucker coming off the bench. And if the Lakers kept Taylor Horton Tucker, this is the perfect example. If the Lakers kept Taylor Horton Tucker, he'd be starting for them right now. And he's coming off the bench for the Utah Jazz. The Utah Jazz have really put together a strong, deep team with – I'm going to say zero stars on this team, maybe one all-star if they want to throw a bone to Jordan Clarkson or maybe Larry Markinen this year. But, I mean, I don't expect this team to really slow down and miss the playoffs. I expect them to kind of be in the bottom half, maybe around five or six seed this year. Um, But they've been very good, and it's been due to coaching with their new head coach, and, and it's been a large part, in fact, to I kind of relate this to my Seattle Seahawks, who we'll talk about in a little bit when we get to the NFL. This is just a deep team with no stars, and nobody cares who's getting the buckets as long as they get the buckets. It, it, it's a, they're actually a very fun team to watch. They and are very fun to watch. Griff, you said it best. They're getting the buckets too. They're shooting forty six percent as a team, which is awesome. And they don't turn the ball over. And it's a good brand of basketball to watch. I agree with you. And like. I'm a big fan of Colin Sexton. I think he kind of got the yeah. short end of the stick with what happened. Okay. He just got hurt. He got hurt. Yeah. In the he got hurt and he was done. Yep. And he w- he was a star for them when he in his first year or two in Cleveland. And everyone loved Colin Sexton. He's one of those guys who he's a Marcus Smart esque player where he's gonna bring the end or he's gonna bring the energy on the defensive end. He's gonna drive to the cup. He's gonna make plays for his teammates, and that's what we're exactly what we're seeing in Utah right now. I mean. Just the splits right now, Laurie Marketing, although he's averaging 20, almost 23 points, you have Jordan Clarkson averaging 17. Talia Olenek averaging 13 points a game. Colin Sexton mm-hmm. also averaging about 13 points. And he's also getting his assists. He's getting some steals as well. He's doing his job. He's a great defensive guard. And a great defensive guard, Colin Sexton. They're not turning the ball over. Other than Kelly Olenek, for, for whatever reason, averages three turnovers a game, which is wild. But – they're not turning. They're, they're playing good basketball. They're a well-coached team. And Griff, I agree with you. I, I can see this team sneaking into the playoffs. Maybe even like a five-six seed. And yep. I, I, I might lock them into the playing game. Although it's an early, it's early in the long season. You're right. But um, I, I say with that being said, how about we move into the NFL universe? By the way, guys, happy November. No shave November. Um, no bet October is officially over for me. But I think I'm gonna extend it a couple of weeks. Um, I haven't been betting. I've been doing pretty good. Um, but the NFL has had a serious shakeup. A lot of teams have made a lot of moves to make the next steps for their organization. Before I let us get kicked off into the moves, I do want to say our two teams, the New England Patriots, they didn't make a single move, right? Nope. 
Okay, okay, so I am right. So our two teams, the New England Patriots and the Seattle Seahawks, made zero moves. I don't know how you guys feel about that. I'll let you cover that in a second. But with the Seattle Seahawks, I am so happy that we made zero moves. I don't think we need to make any moves. Um, we're kind of a team that's just rolling off of each other. Marquise Goodwin has stepped up. Mike Jackson, I mean, we have three rookie cornerbacks that are getting a lot of reps and that is exactly what you want from rookie DBs is to get as many reps as possible. And they are thriving in that position. I do just want to say I am very happy that the Seahawks are sticking with their squad. If anything, maybe a move for safety, but Jamal Adams coming back next year, who knows what's going to happen with that. I am happy. Um, we'll talk about who they beat this week. It's a great time to be a Seahawks fan. Yeah, Griff, I'd be jumping for joy right now if I were you. I mean, at least your team is going in the right direction. Well, we just see for our New England Patriots, well, then just regress basically every week. I don't know how it's possible to have like a mountain of emotions thus far. So obviously we kind of like trickled up, right? Week one was bad. Then you get better every single week and then you just drop back down. And now we're hopefully we're on the trip to go back up. But Griff, I, I don't know what trade deadline moves the Patriots could have made to put themselves exactly. in a better position. Yep, so, exactly. like, hypothetically, a move that they could have made was Roquan Smith. I don't think that that was likely just due to no. the history of Bill Belichick at the deadline. He usually doesn't make moves like this. So I wasn't really expecting anything. I had very low expectations going into the day. If anything, I thought we were going to offload some, one of the receivers of Kendrick Bourne or Nelson Aguilar. But with that being said, I expect Kendrick Bourne to take a big step in the upcoming weeks, and I expect him to be an every-down type player for the Patriots. So – Basically, to sum it up, the Patriots are a bubble team right now in the playoffs. They're 4-4. Four four. They're last in the AFC East, but their season isn't over. And this is totally a team, once it gets cold, that they can excel. Because we've seen the emergence of Ramondre Stevenson. He's here to stay. He's a solidified RB1. And Damian Harris is also an RB1. you got two guys. If they split carries or whatever they do, Ramondre has solidified himself as a very good receiving back. Um I trust both of those guys, and I think that we're going to run the damn football and we're going to have a pretty good team for the rest of the year. I can see them finishing around 10-7. and seven. Yeah. I mean, like you said, Stav, I going into the day, I didn't really think that the Pats were going to make any moves, but I kind of had a little bit of hope that we would have been like – our names would have been in the news a little bit, like, oh, Pats looking at so-and-so, Pats looking at this. Obviously, both of those Bears defensive players left before the deadline today. Um I was kind of hoping we were going to have our names surrounded by them. Obviously, unlikely that we would have gotten them, but it would have been nice to know that we would think about beefing up the defense, knowing that our offense is a little bit struggling, so we can have at least one side of the ball be elite and try to win games defensively more than offensively. Um, like you said, again, with the wide receivers, I was hoping we had gain one or we dump off one to gain a better one or kind of move something around there. Didn't really happen. I mean – like you said, hopefully we're on an upward spiral now. We've kind of been trickling in a weird downward area. I mean, it's kind of – I want to say it's, like, rare to see a team, like, digress in the middle of the season other than them just, like, not being as a good team. But, like, when you don't make a move or you don't think about making a move, especially if you're a team where we are right now, it's kind of just, like, like you're just digressing at that point. Like, you're just accepting your fate of the season and whatever happens happens at this point. Yeah, I mean, it seems like they're doing that. But, well, I mean, let's just look at the road ahead quickly. I know this is kind of turned into from trade deadline to Patriots. But quickly, we have the Colts, Jets, Vikings. 
they can go two and one in that stretch. I don't think they're going to beat the Vikings. I think the Vikings are a very good team. So the Bills loss, Cardinals, Cardinals win. win, Raiders win. I think at least that could be up for grabs. Um, Bengals, depending on Jamar, if Jamar Chase plays or not, we can get into that game later. But that Bengals team doesn't look good. If Jamar doesn't play, that's a win. Dolphins loss, Bills loss. So, like I said, ten and seven, that could be a playoff team. But the AFC is very stacked, so we don't know how it's going to shake out. In my opinion, I think it really depends on how the Jets finish up this season. I know they've been pretty decent to start, but if they aren't consistent going out for the rest, we have a shot. Yeah, but if the Patriots beat the Jets, not this upcoming week, but next week, then we'll be fine. Or two weeks from now, I'm sorry. The Patriots have a bye next week. But yep. if, if the Patriots own the tiebreaker outright, they don't split with the Jets, then I, I think that that boosts the playoff odds tremendously yeah, to be a seventh exactly. seed at least. But yeah, let's, let's, let's get into some trades. Yeah, that's what I was just about to say. Let's recap the other trades. Starting, Did we recap CMC to the 49ers? I don't think so. No, we talked about no, it. No, we, we did. Okay. Okay, so that happened, obviously. Um, but – the biggest news of today probably was Bradley Chubb going to the Dolphins. The Dolphins are here. We'll talk about both we'll the Dolphins. Both, uh, both of the Dolphins moves today. Sorry, Jason. Just tough. So, Bradley Chubb to the Dolphins. Elite pass rusher. An elite pass rush makes a defense way better. It makes a secondary way better. And that's what this team is lacking right now. I mean, <clears throat> I went on my Dolphins rant last week, and I, I'm just going to be here on the record. I was so wrong. The Dolphins are a pretty good, damn good team. Two is a good quarterback, mm-hmm. and the offense is electric. It's probably one of the most electric offenses in the NFL. And now you add Bradley Chubb to this defensive line. Watch out. I, I don't see how this team even I, – I would put them up there with Kansas City and Buffalo for best teams in the AFC right now. I mean, they already beat Buffalo without Bradley Chubb and with half of a two tackle by Lowe who was concussed. So I can only imagine what they're actually going to do when they're fully healthy with their new and reloaded team and with Jeff Wilson Jr., who just got traded to them, who is a very solid back, a guy who is familiar with Mike McDaniel's offense. So this team is definitely on a mountain upwards. Like, they're they're going. They're going fast, too. Yeah, and how how about um, Chase Edmonds getting sent off in this trade? Uh, So, like, the full trade – uh, Denver sending Bradley Chubb, who I do want to say is an elite edge rusher in this league. They tag along a fifth-round pick, and Denver gets a first-round pick, a fourth-round pick, and Chase Edmonds. Um, just a quick question, because I do have Chase Edmonds on my fantasy team. Um, with Melvin Gordon also being a Denver Bronco, we obviously know that Javante um, got hurt for the season. Who's going to be running back one in Denver? Who they do you have think? three mid-running backs. I don't understand. Out of everyone that you could have gotten from Miami for Bradley Chubb, why you chose another running back. Because you have Latavius Murray, who split the carries with Melvin Gordon. Now you're just inserting Chase Edmonds? What's the point of that? Chase I Edmonds know. might be uh, the I, running back one. I, I was going to say, I feel like Chase, if they traded for him, I feel like Chase Edmonds is guaranteed running back one. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 
It's winter time. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. For the next couple of weeks until he proves he can't. Hey, hey, have a buy this week so they have enough time to install the offense with him. I think that it, I mean, it obviously doesn't make a lot of sense because I don't, I don't think they won this trade by any means, Denver. Um, but it makes a lot of sense for Chase Edmonds to go to this team. Um, he had a battle for running back one in Miami, and Raheem Mostert won it, but then they made a move for Jeff Wilson. That pushes out Chase Edmonds, and Chase Edmonds a guy, is a guy that can get quality reps for a team. Denver is struggling. They're going to be running the ball a lot. I think Chase Edmonds is going to be the running back one over there. I think since he's the youngest, obviously, in that room, you have Latavius Murray, who I think was good in, like, 2009. And then Melvin Gordon, who was good with Phillip Rivers on the San Diego Chargers. I, I just think that you got to go with youth here. Chase Edmonds, this is a big trade for um, my fantasy football team. That's another running back one on my team. Hopefully. That's what I'm praying for. That is what I'm praying for right now. And that hurts my team because I have both Latavius Murray and Melvin Gordon on my bench. But that's besides the yeah. point. I, I think that's a, a big win for me. Um, but I do want to say uh, loss from the Broncos. You gave up one of the best edge yeah. rushers. Miami does look very dangerous, Stav. Um, But I say we move on to this next trade. This is a trade that I was kind of interested in covering because it doesn't make a lot of sense to me, and that's Chicago. The Chicago Bears uh, receiving wide receiver Chase Claypool from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, Chase Claypool, by the way, Pittsburgh did get a second-round pick for Chase Claypool, which I think automatically makes this a win for the Pittsburgh Steelers. They already have a few receivers. Um, they're looking for George Pickens to kind of step into the slot that Chase Claypool claimed, but then kind of unclaimed. Um, I don't really get why Chicago is going out and getting a wide receiver of this stature. Someone that we don't really know, like what his level of productivity is going to be. And they wasted a second round pick on him. They're not going to do anything this season. Does anybody kind of have any idea of why they really made this trade? Because this is a pretty big trade. Like, like, yes and no. Like, I understand the Steelers side of it, like, completely. Like, obviously, we've been hearing that, like, during training camp, George Pickens was going to, like, start taking over his reps because he looked good, and he is good. And we knew Claypool was going to eventually leave. I just didn't think he was going to go to the Bears. I don't know what the Bears are, like, really doing. I mean, I guess, like, the last few games, their offense has been playing pretty well. So maybe adding a wide receiver like um, Claypool would – help them in the air a little bit more. I mean, he isn't a bad wide receiver. Like, he is good. That does beef up their wide receivers. I think that also pushes Nikhil Harry out. Yeah, I think it should. In their depth chart. Yeah, and they have Darnell Mooney, and then I actually couldn't tell you. Uh, they have that rookie. Whatever is oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing special. Nothing special. Yeah. Velas so, Jones. Velas Jones. And then, I mean, I guess that makes your offense more dynamic, but they lost defensive players. So I don't really know the direction that they're heading in. They, they don't make sense. They're sitting at three and five right now, which is third worst in the NFC, only in front of Carolina and Detroit. Um, Are they trying to make a push for the playoffs? Are they trying to get – I 
it, it's puzzling to me because they, they made moves indicating that they were selling, right? They traded away their two best defensive players in Roquan Smith, which we'll get to, and Robert Quinn. But then you acquire Chase Claypool for a high-value draft pick. You get you trade a second-round pick for him. That's a very important. Like, that's a pick that, that could be a, a cornerstone of your franchise, especially yep. when you need a lot, as much young talent and as much draft capital as possible. Why are you trading a second-round pick for – I'm going to say it right now, Stav. There is a second-round wide receiver coming up in this draft that is, if not the same level of Chase Claypool, better than Chase Claypool. And, and it's really up to the GM. They've been very unsuccessful, in my opinion, in drafting a wide receiver talent. So they just had to go out and get a guy that they've already seen in the league. They don't trust – or their GM doesn't trust himself to draft a wide receiver in the second round. And that's all that I got from this trade. I didn't understand why this but, trade was made. All that it was really that honestly makes sense. They don't trust themselves in the draft. But that yeah, at the, I agree. But at the same time, you could have traded that second round pick for a better receiver because yes, Brandon yes. Cooks was on the block. Like we we all he was good as gone basically from Houston, but they didn't deal him for whatever reason. Um, I mean, we saw Darius Tony who could who has probably more upside than Claypool. Yeah. I, there was a lot of names that were being circulated. Even Kendrick Bourne, you could probably have gotten him for a fifth-round pick or so. Like, trading a second for Claypool was kind of puzzling, in my opinion. I'm not saying Kendrick Bourne is better than Claypool, but for the draft pick-to-receiver ratio, you could have easily gotten Bourne or something like that for a lower-end draft pick. My guess yeah. is youth. Like, yeah, I know that's like, we've listed a few players that are still young, but, like, is, is Claypool is what is his fourth year in the league? Uh, Claypool is 24. Um, Brandon Cooks He's is older. 29. Yeah. yeah. And I want to say Kendrick Bourne is around 27. Yeah, Brandon Cooks is 29. And Kendrick Bourne, sorry, this is bad pod- podcasting. One, one again. He's 27. And, and my guess is that if whenever he becomes a free agent again, I'm assuming they'll probably re-sign him and he won't be that expensive. So they can probably allocate funds elsewhere if he can produce. Like, I feel like it's just like a budget move for them, especially since you said, Griff, like they can't actually draft. Like they're not good at drafting at all. Yeah, they don't know how to do it. They pretty much gave up on themselves is what, I, what I'm thinking. But that that's kind of a dumpster fire of a team, dumpster fire of a franchise. How about a big dog making a move? And why don't we stick in the same dumpster fire of a franchise? A big linebacker move, a name that we already mentioned before uh, when Saab was talking about the Patriots, but Roquan Smith heading to Baltimore, going to be their uh, Mike linebacker, I guess. (laughs) Um, And and this was a guy who requested a trade at the beginning of the season. No trade happened because we didn't really know where he would fit. And we named a couple of teams where we think he would fit and in my opinion, this was the perfect one. I think that the Ravens were looking for somebody that was going to make plays in that front seven and at the linebacker position, a great run stopper in Roquan Smith, kind of a field general, someone that can lead a team. He leads the NFL in tackles right now. The Ravens, who are looking to beef up on that defense, did so with this, but they did end up giving up a second round and a fifth round pick next year's draft, as well as a third string linebacker. Overall, Stav, though, Gaining Roquan Smith, losing a second and a fifth rounder, do the Ravens win this trade? And what do you think would have to be the result of the Ravens' season 
to really, really justify that they won this trade if you say that they did. I think when you're in win-now mode and you acquire a Pro Bowl-esque player at a lacking position, some may say, that you win the trade automatically. Um, yep. But with that being said, the Ravens' defense hasn't been awful, but it really hasn't been great, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I- I'm pulling this up as we speak. Okay, why is... Okay, this is bad journalism. But Roquan Smith is a game changer. Like, I don't care about the stats. He's a sideline to sideline linebacker. He can cover uh, tight ends. He can cover running backs out of the backfield. And when you're playing in a physical and or AFC North, you need guys like that. You need guys who can fill the gap. You need guys who can make plays, especially against physical running backs, as we saw in Cleveland, as we see in Pittsburgh with Najee Harris, and as we see in Cincinnati with Joe Mixon. You have good running backs. You need linebackers to be able to stop them. And now you pair him with Patrick Queen, and your secondary's okay. Your secondary is pretty good. You have Marlon Humphrey. Yeah. You have Marcus Peters. Um, you you have a good team. You have a good secondary, and I I do think Baltimore made the right decision here. I didn't really see this coming though. I didn't and I didn't expect the Ravens to make this move, but they did it. They're they're in win now mode. They probably saw what happened last night, in or I'm sorry, this trade happened before Monday Night Football. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, what am yeah. I saying? But. They probably saw that Jamar Chase was out. They probably knew that the, the Bengals would be lacking a little bit, and now you just pick up more talent to gain more ground in the division. This is their division to lose. Yeah, I feel like this is just a Ravens-esque trade. I mean, it's nothing like the Ravens to acquire an absolute star at middle linebacker. I mean, what else, what else can you say? I mean, the Ravens are notorious for always acquiring nasty defensive players. This is literally right up their alley. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's a move that they needed to make. And, you know, they have Patrick Queen at that position, but the style of offense – or the style of defense, excuse me, that they run, they need two solid ones. They went out – they got someone that, in my opinion, is better than who they already had in Patrick Queen to pair up with him. Um, I, I overall think that this is a good trade for the Ravens. Um, he's on an expiring deal, by the way, and the deal is if he doesn't sign back after this year, the – Ravens will receive a third round pick as well from the Bears. So if they don't do anything this year, hypothetically speaking, this is in the future. If they do nothing this year and then they lose out on Roquan Smith, he signs somewhere out somewhere else in free agency, then the Ravens pretty much gave up a second rounder, a fifth rounder, and a linebacker for a third round pick. So I mean, I, I think that's where we'll really see if they won this trade first off, if they do anything this year and second off, if he ends up signing back with them, which I think he will in the off season, but you know, every, everything in free agency is really up for grabs and we're so far away. So it's going to be a long time until we really see the result of this trade. I do have one more trade that I want to talk about um, before we get into a week eight re- recap. And that is between the Jags and the Falcons wide receiver Calvin Ridley going to Jacksonville, going to Duval for a fifth round and second rounder for next year. Um, Calvin Ridley facing a one-year suspension. I want to say first off, I had no idea that you could get traded while you were in the middle of a league-wide suspension. Um, Second off, like cool, I guess. I don't know why you would make a trade for somebody that can't play this year. It doesn't make sense to me. I think you're buying low, I guess. Yeah, I guess you buy at his lowest peak, right? Like his, his trade value probably would be a lot higher. What they probably are looking at is like, all right, we stink this year, even though they had some upside. 
but they, they solidified their running back room. Travis Etienne is that guy. They probably trust Trevor Lawrence, and they acquire Christian Kirk. So you're probably thinking to yourself, okay, we can get Calvin Ridley to be a wide receiver one. You look at everywhere around the league. I, I've said this so many times this week, but when you get a young quarterback, a wide receiver one, they become 10 times better. Look at Buffalo acquiring Stephon Diggs, how well the steps that yep. Josh Allen took. You look at Miami this year acquiring Tyreek Hill, the steps two was taking. You look at Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. You look at all these guys getting young, talented receivers, and they take that next step. So they assume that maybe Calvin Ridley could be that wide receiver one to make Trevor Lawrence take that next step. I guess. It's not even that bad of a gamble for them, to be honest. I mean, hypothetically, <laughs> he's not able to come back. Like, they didn't lose that much, but, like, yeah. it's kind of weird because yeah, he, like, he went to the team he bet against. In the last, the last time that he played football, he was electric. I mean, coming into the next season, we were like excited to see what he was going to do, and he obviously got suspended uh, while betting during having an injury on against like, the Jags so, against the Jags. Yep. Um, so I don't know. I mean, that's something we'll see next year. It's it's just kind of crazy how a blockbuster trade isn't going to affect this season at all. And that's kind of why I really didn't understand. But you're right. I mean, they bought low. But, I mean, did they even really buy low? I feel like they could have got the same deal in the offseason. A fifth rounder and a second. They gave up the second rounder. Yeah, but for the year after he's yes. So, like, this year they didn't give up that second rounder because they're not going to have him. But next year, because they'll have him, they give up. I, I guess that makes that's a how I'm more at it. This is a, This is a future trade. Yeah, exactly. This is a future trip. Hendricks. All right, but I, I, I don't really have anything else to cover. I've been looking through these other trades. You know, there's a few other ones. Nothing really that special. Like uh, Hawkinson really to the Vikings was – like that's well, a good Hawkinson trade for them. Vikings, yes, that was a big one. Um, w big for that. He looks like a Viking as well. How about an interdivisional trade between the Vikings and the Lions? Something yeah. that you don't see that often. We did cover – Naheem Hines to the Bills is a big move for them. But how big, I feel like Hines is like, I mean, who do I feel like Singletary and Hines are like the same person. Yeah, it's like low-key, but I feel like they're going to use Hines more as a receiving back than they are Singletary. Maybe. I mean, I think it'll be split reps, which will be good for them because you know the style of they, the offense that they run where they kind of replace the run game with those little dump downs. So you're right. It, it, it's they got rid of Zach Moss, who was kind of a real like ground and pound guy, just didn't fit on the team at all. I, I I think that this is a trade though that the Colts didn't really need Hines. Buffalo needed them needed them a little bit more, so they gave up a fifth and Zach Moss. Um, but I kind of like Zach Moss going to the Colts to be running back too over there. I think that fits with their their scheme. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's I think it's just a scheme fitting trade. I, I I think that trade to me is pretty even. Yeah, it's yeah. it's one of those that it's like we we look at it and it's like oh shoot the bills get richer but in, in reality it's like yeah we'll see what happens and I'm not like shivering my timbers over that. All right, um, sure. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's do a little week eight recap. How about we fly through some of these games as well? Because some of these games sucked. A lot of them were well. Uh, we already have a pretty long episode, so. Let's get it started here on Thursday night. We got the Ravens and the Bucks. The Ravens pulling through 27 to 22. The Buccaneers now fall to three and five. The Ravens at five and three obviously made a huge move um, for their defense. 
Lamar Jackson once again carrying this team. He had two in the air. Um, he ran for 43 yards. Gus Edwards has kind of emerged as potentially the running back one for this team. Um, in a big, big, big game from tight end Isaiah Likely, uh, Massachusetts native, Coastal Carolina alum. So you know he's one of my favorite guys in the league. A touchdown from him, six receptions, 77 yards. Um, but the Buccaneers, guys, I mean, they look awful. Yeah, they, I I don't know what to make of that because everyone was healthy for the Bucs, like receiver-wise. They have Mike Evans back, obviously. Julio Jones played. Godwin was there. The running backs were playing. Their defense was – it doesn't make any sense to me why this team sucks. Are we just going to chalk it up to Todd Bowles being a bad coach? I, I don't really know. But with that being said, the Bucks not making any moves at the deadline is also kind of confusing. Like in hindsight now, I know this happened on Thursday night, but <clears throat> Bucks are screwed. They're like basically in last in that division. Yep, they are. They are. And a Tom Brady-led team, I want to say this is his final year. Actually, you know what? No. This isn't his final year now with everything that's gone on. He's here to stay for a few more years, um, but they don't look good this year, and I don't know how the future of this team looks as well. So I'd be nervous if I was a Buccaneers fan about the future of your ball club. Oh, I, he's, I really... Tom Brady regrets leaving New England. I don't know if you guys saw that. I the... wonder if he leaves. Like, no, he, 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 should. he probably should. He should go to San Francisco. He should go to San Francisco. But – he went on his podcast this morning and went on like about a five minute rant about how Bill Belichick is the best coach of all time and that he's seen how important this uh, second all time wins is for him and all this stuff. And he, he like got choked up and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, he, he definitely regrets it. Yeah. But I mean, he wants to make so. Yeah, exactly. It makes sense. But uh, how about we move on to the next one? Yep. A home game for the Jacksonville London Jaguars at Wembley Stadium. Ended up in a loss to the Denver Broncos. This game was a game between two teams. Um, I, by the way, I woke up at 10.30 a.m. on yeah. Sunday, and I was like, ah, damn, I missed the first quarter. Um, didn't really miss much, though. Um, th this was a game of one-yard touchdowns, like, galore. I, Latavius Murray ran for two yards. He was the first score of the game. Or, no, the last score of the game. Um, but in the second half, Melvin Gordon ran one-yard touchdown. Travis Etienne, one-yard touchdown. Latavius Murray, two-yard touchdown. And, and really the only good drive of this game was that final drive by the Broncos, and it wasn't even really that fantastic. Two mid-teams, the Jacksonville Jaguars, who started off 2-1, and one, now 2-6, and six, and the Denver Broncos, 3-5. and five. I, I mean, I'll let you guys talk about this game. I don't have anything else to talk about this game. Yeah, I have nothing other than I'm honestly going to go to the next game. In uh, the next game, another game that I don't really want to talk about, but how about um, a last-minute um, field goal or a last-minute touchdown to get into – this is such a weird game, sorry. To get into overtime, Young Way Koo gets it done in OT, however, with the 41-yard field goal. The Falcons beat the Carolina Panthers. The 4-4 four four Falcons first place in the NFC South. Well-deserved. Um, DJ Moore literally fumbled the bag so hard. I mean, I, I don't even blame him. Like, you look at what DJ Moore's gone through in his career in Carolina, it, it's really been abuse. And when you catch a big touchdown and when you've been playing well with this quarterback, you're going to get excited. And for those who don't know, he took off his helmet, which is a 15-yard penalty, and which would have been the game-winning PAT was missed because it was backed up. But at the same time, was it a 35-yard field goal? You got to make uh, that. Wait. 
So they take it from the 30. It would be a 47-yarder. In Atlanta, too? Yeah, it's inside. If you're an NFL inside. kicker, you got to hit that. I mean, you're a professional. And, and it's any, Eddie Pinheiro, who's, I mean, has a great leg. But, I mean, that's a 15-yard penalty. You start at the 15, so that's another 15-30, right? You take it seven yards back. You add the 10 yards for the end zone. That's a 47-yard field goal on an unsportsman. Like, that is crazy. Yeah. For a PAT, he, that's he, crazy. And, like, if we're actually diving into the rule book, he wasn't on the field to play when he took off his helmet. Where like was he? He was out of bounds. But where, like He though? was in the back of the end zone. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, you have to be on your sideline. Okay. So, oh. there was some fine lining that I saw Panthers fans, like, dissect, dissect it. Yeah, I was just people trying to, you know, find something. Yeah, but it's whatever. I mean, I mean the, Pan- the Falcons win, even though they're not even the biggest storyline of this game which is kind of funny. But P.J. Walker's been playing well. Shout out him. Yeah. Yep, he definitely has. All right. So next the next game. game? Yep, next game. Thank you. How about we go a little Cowboys-Bears, a little 20-point stomping from Dallas. Dallas sitting at 6-2, and two, uh, tied for a second in the NFC Beast. We'll talk about it in a minute. But Justin Fields ran for 60, threw for 151. In my opinion, week in and week out, he's been getting better. You know, two touchdowns. They let him throw the ball 23 times. Um, he completed 17 of them, threw for two, didn't have a pick. Um, but, I mean, at the end of the day, Dak Prescott really has come back and has been amazing. He threw, I know he threw a pick, but he added two touchdowns, 250 yards in the air. He ran for 34. And how about Tony? Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this... But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. Fucking Pollard. I, was, I wasn't going to swear, but Tony Pollard went off. Three touchdown day from him. 131's without Ezek- 131 yards without Ezekiel Elliott. The receiving court showed up in this game, and this was a full-blown Dallas Cowboys win where – I mean, the whole team was on. They looked very, very good in this game. Well, it's a good win for them, especially heading into the bye this week. They big win break, and then they're ready for a call for the rest of the season. I know they got to play the Eagles one more time. I mean, that's going to be probably the biggest game of the year for them. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the Tony Pollard's a better back, in my opinion. He went off this week, but Jerry Jones continues to just hammer the fact that Zeke's the RB one down the throats of every single reporter in the entire world but tony pollard's a very talented back and i feel bad for him like imagine doing what you just did because i mean and he this isn't something that he's new to every single time he gets opportunities he plays very well and jerry jones just keeps denying what he's doing for whatever reason like if if i'm jerry jones i i look at tony pollard like i can get this guy probably for cheaper and he just looks at Zeke because he doesn't want to be wrong about Zeke. But Tony Pollard is going to get a bag wherever he goes next year. He's a good running back, and I am very happy to have him on my fantasy team. <laughs> All right, next game, Dolphins versus Lions. Dolphins 
won this game only by four, but I, it felt like it was a lot more of a point differential. And, and this game was a real red zone hero in the first half. They, I mean, I want to say the first six possessions of the game were touchdowns mm-hmm. or five out of six, five out of six were mm-hmm. touchdowns. And one was a fumble was the other one. So, I mean, it was a very exciting game. I feel like the whole time, even though the Lions kept throwing some punches, you just knew that the that the Dolphins were going to win. So that's kind of why it felt like a little bit more than a four-point uh, win. Um, no touchdown scored in the fourth quarter, but the Dolphins came out in the first half – or came out in the second half, put up 14 in the third, and kind of called it after that. It, it, that was a very impressive win for the Dolphins and a team that has gotten better – since this last week, now five and three, Stav, they are very dangerous. You are very right about this team. Yeah. Um, all right, next game on the list, we got the Cardinals and the Vikings. I mean, Call of Duty's out. This was self-explanatory. Minnesota won. Minnesota covered. Um, Vikings are a good team. Yep. What are they, World six and one? The they're six yeah. and one. Right? Of the week. Yep. Yeah. Six and one, they're, they're a good team. They're probably the, going to win the NFC North. Uh, good for them. Congrats. They might, yeah. I was. And, they might be the first uh, they. I assume they are just because they are you know, slotted right now as the two seed. But yeah, I, mean, I was. They, I just. I was literally just looking on this on Twitter. They someone did a graphic. Yeah, they are the yeah. two seed. Oh, that would be a great match of first round if the season ended today. I'd love that if the season ended today. Predictions. It'd be Vikings 49ers. That'd be a great match. Great game. And then Griff, if the season ended today, the Seahawks are home against the Giants again, which is perfect. When exactly. Perfect. So when? How about you know what? I know we have a few games. I'm skipping over a few games. No, you know what? I was gonna say let's talk about it right now. It would have been the perfect segue, but let's not because I'm gonna get really excited in a little bit. Let's move on to the next one though. Shout out Will with your lock of the week. Actually, Will, anything to add with your lock of the week? Um, was I the only one that hit this week? Yeah. Yes. Shout out me first place. Yeah. So the next game, uh, Will solo possession of first place. Two games ahead of Stav. Three games ahead of me now. Um, the next game, however, New Orleans, Las Vegas. I picked Las Vegas in this game. New Orleans came out twenty-four nothing, and the Raiders looked terrible. I mean, just absolutely awful. And it's it's the games where they can't get Devontae Adams involved, and then somehow Josh Jacobs just doesn't do anything again because they only give him ten carries. The guy that should be getting sixteen to twenty a game. Um, Devontae Adams had one reception for three yards. The two guys that have been carrying them in their two wins. Whenever they lose, these are the two guys that don't get any production, and it, it's 100% on the coaching staff over in Las Vegas. Yeah, it's, it's tough. How do you get shut out against the Saints? It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Have- a high-powered offense. They have a high-powered offense. By definition, if you look at the players on their team, they have a high-powered offense. And not only that, too, they didn't even get their high-powered players involved. I mean, Josh Jacobs had a terrible game. Devontae Adams exactly. really had what, what I'm saying. reception. So that's when they lose. Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs, they don't give them the ball. You need to force the ball to these guys. Ten, ten carries from Josh Jacobs should be illegal. Josh Jacobs is on my team. He's getting 20 carries a game. Yeah, like literally last week. That's what he does best. That's what he's there to do. Um, and we see offenses do it all the time, you know, with different forms of running backs. But there's a lot of running backs that need to get touches to need to get to get into the rhythm of a game, one of them being Derrick Henry, who did this past week. Um, it, it just really doesn't make sense when you're supposed to be a run heavy team and you just think that you don't have to do that. I mean, it, it's the dumbest thing that an NFL coach could do. 
And the Raiders don't have that smart of a head coach over there. So I know they have in years. So, yeah. And I mean, I love the narrative. Like we always see these mostly in like Boston fan base articles and stuff like, um, Bill Belichick sent Josh McDaniels to the Raiders so they would self-destruct. Like, no, he didn't. No, he didn't. That just didn't happen. Like, I, I, I think those are so funny. Whenever, like, people just say that yeah. the, uh, yeah. that Belichick's behind Josh McDaniels sucking as but a head coach, even though he's and then he's going to come back and he's going to be the offensive coordinator, and they're going to make the playoffs and make the yeah. AFC I saw that on Twitter the other day. They were, yeah, no, <laughs> that was, it was the literal exact thing. Like, Bill Belichick. Brought him over to Las Vegas to fold over that franchise so they didn't have any problems with wild card seedings. So he could come back. He could be the offensive coordinator. They sneak into the wild card and they're nasty. That is what I saw on Twitter from a Boston sports account. I was on the five account. I unfollowed the account. I mean, it was one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. I loved. I think those are so funny. That's something that like somebody on 98.5 would call in and say. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's like. Yeah, Steve from the car. You guys remember that? <laughs> <laughs> Steve that from was the electric. Car. You're on hold for 30 minutes, dude. I no, was it was listening. like an hour. No, no, dude, that it was, was so much longer than that. Because I remember I was actually in the car, and then I went home and started playing MLB The Show, and then they took my call. So it was, it was so like, long. It was, we're, we're, it was about Celtics. It was about the Celtics. It was the Celtics. It was, it was the Bucks series. I'm talking about the Celtics, and you just came back. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm like, I am getting my call in. This is not fair. That was nuts. But wait, before we move on to the next one, how many times has everybody called into Sports Talk Radio? Twice. Will, none? I've actually never called in. I've called in once. It was once. But that's about it. I've thought about it, but like... What did you call in about? So just lose brain cells, those things. It was... um, When was it? It was spring break last year, um, and I was talking about the Red Sox. And I was talking about um, I think I remember you the moves they me- needed to make, and I just literally went yeah. on there and I was like, I gave like a step by step thing, and then they didn't agree with it, but then they went into like the next section of the Red Sox and literally just said everything that I said. They love Which doing that. They, do that. they love I, doing Red that. Sox Radio in Boston ha- has a lot of good rep. They are actually idiots. I'm sorry, like they. And- they, they don't uh, know what they're talking about, they, and then they'll just hear something that sounds smart, and they will steal it. They will deny it, and then 30 minutes later, they will say the exact same thing. Boston Sports Talk Radio appeals to the people who move here from out of state that aren't Boston sports fans yes. Yes. that just, like, love hearing the fact that Boston sports are crumbling. When in reality, like, I would listen to 98.5 on the way home from school basically every single day. Like in high school during the Patriots' peak, like when we were in high school, the Patriots made the Super Bowl three out of the four years, and every single week I would hear how bad that team was. Like we will never see a run like that ever again, and they never gave them credit. They, they never, never ever would give them credit. And then we look at 2018. I remember the Red Sox were the one of the best regular season teams of all time. Every single series that they went in, the Red, the Sports Talk Radio just said how they were going to lose each series. How they're so, going to lose. So, and we look at even this year, the Celtics postseason run. They didn't give the Celtics one ounce of credit during that entire run at all. They just sat there and bashed them. And it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, then we lost. They're like, they deserve to lose. Yeah, it's like yeah. you make the finals and face one of the best teams of all time in the Golden State Warriors and you lose and it's a disappointing season. So all they talked about was how disappointing of an end that was. Not really. You lost to the Golden State Warriors. How are we talking about how LeBron James, like, 
when he willed that team to the finals, no one was saying how bad that team or like how they didn't deserve that or all this stuff. It's like they never give credit where it's due. Like I understand shitting on the Red Sox this year when they suck, but it, no matter what they do, they'll never be satisfied. And it, like I said, it only appeals to the people that don't like Boston sports. Yeah, no, you're very right. And, and I mean, you know, we were just talking about how he called him, but like the, they just, it's not even like they're going for clickbait or anything. I just feel like they, there's a few guys, there's a few guys in Boston sports talk radio that I really like. It's just the fact, I'm not going to name any names here, but it's the fact that big Jim Murray guys that I liked are matched up with people that are absolute idiots and they can't get in arguments because they work together every day. So they don't like, really base off what each other say like one thing says or one person says something and then the next person just says another thing they don't really go back and forth at all like we see on like a lot of nationally broadcast radio stations i don't listen to a lot of out of state radio because i don't actually care that much about like the seahawks like i i've never listened to seahawks sports talk radio i've watched like videos and stuff but it, it they just they're not really like that i mean they're entertaining they just don't give the kick and they don't give the information that real Boston sports fans actually want to hear um, and actually want to like listen to. It, it, they, they they don't even give news that well, but I mean, while we stick in the state, how about we talk about this little Patriots-Jets game? The Pats improved to 4-4, four and four, a big win at the Meadowlands for you guys. Yeah, Definitely. I mean, it's, it's a big win. That's a big win. I had the Jets like, winning. I had the Jets as my lock of the week. I'll, I will never. I had the Jets plus. I think we all had the Jets plus two and a half here. But this win would feel so much better if they beat the Bears. Like that Bears loss hurts yeah. so bad. Like five right now, three. imagine this team was five and three. Like how much better everyone would be looking at this team. It's like, all right, Mac Jones wins that start against the Bears. He comes back and wins this game against the Jets. The narrative isn't, oh, Mac Jones goddamn sucks. It's this kid's a winner. Like, he comes back and the team immediately wins and there is no quarterback controversy. However, he has a bad game against the Jets in the, in the first half. In the, in the second half, I think he played fine. First half, he played awful. Like First half was ugly. That, like, he, little pop-up. Yeah, he threw the like pick. And, and then the other one. The pick six that got called back for the roughing the passer. But the second half, the first drive of the second half, I don't know if you guys watch, that was an awesome drive. And then they just went away from everything that they were doing. Like, they literally drove down the field, I think, in six plays and scored a touchdown, Jacoby My- or Mac Jones to Jacoby Myers. That was awesome. And Ramondre Stevenson is the best player in our offense, and Nick Folk is our second-best player in general. And then Matt Judon is – no, I'll put Judon at two. No, I'll put Judon at one. Here, here are the Patriots players' power rankings. Matthew Judon, Ramondre Stevenson, Nick Folk, and then everybody else. Like I, I, And Jack Jones. I'll put Jack Jones at four. He deserves but who, a but who goes above who? Zappy, Mac. Mac. I, I'm sticking with Mac. Okay, I'm I, I think that – I'm going to ask you every week. I think he just needs to settle down. He's he's being too uh, – he's too frazzled. Just settle down and play like you did last year. You have talent around you. Just trust your guys. And the offense needs to help him out too. There's way too many penalties. Yeah, no, I mean, five and three would look a lot better for this ball club. Four and four, the season resets, um, a little mid-season reset. The trade deadline has passed. All these teams are solidified. Obviously, we said the Patriots didn't make any moves. Um, how about we go on to another team that did not make any moves 
as we said prior in this episode, my Seattle Seahawks going up against, I guess, a quote-unquote tough team in the New York football Giants. That ended in an absolute mauling, 27-13. to 13. A beautiful game from Geno Smith, I want to say. A beautiful game from Kenneth Walker, who, when he can't do too much on the ground, he still seems to do just enough. He had 18 carries, 51 yards, and a touchdown. He was grounding and pounding the whole game. Tyler Lockett had five for 63. He had a touchdown. DK Metcalf added a touchdown as well with 55 yards. Um, And Marquise Goodwin, who has really kind of come into form as – exactly who he was on that San Francisco 49ers team when he was very, very solid. To be our slot guy, an Olympic sprinter, Marquise Goodwin, who was making many plays for us down the stretch, has been fantastic. I also want to say um, we have a big tight end issue, and it's the fact that we have three tight ends in Parkinson, Will Disley, and Noah Fant. Um, If I'm going to rank those three, um, I'm going to go Disley at the top, Noah Fant number two, Parkinson obviously at the three, but I think where a lot of people get confused is people think that Noah Fant's the starting tight end of this team. It's not. It's Will Disley. This is a team that is built around each other. Noah Fant doesn't fit in that. And the one move that I actually wanted to see us make was maybe to move Noah Fant out of here for another defensive piece. But I love the defense. We are now five and three. We beat the then six and one Giants. They are now six and two. Is this the beginning of the downfall of the New York Giants for this season, guys? Because, I mean, this is kind of what I said. I, they can still just win one more game the rest of the season. If that happens, that is the greatest prediction I've ever had. Yeah, that that's, that would be insane. Yeah, that would. And be. I think it could happen. You're you're not far off. Like I said this would be the best year that Daniel Jones ever has. That was right. If I ended the quote there. We need to clip that. Would that. Be awesome. and, it, and I will end the quote there. If they do win more than seven, but, but I also even still- if they go, if they if it's like a one or two games off, I th- still think that's an excellent prediction. Oh that, yeah, no, then I'll keep it. Yeah, that would be a great prediction. And if they go exactly seven and ten, then we have to clip that and we need to post it on the TikTok in compilations of all of our completely right. And uh, Will has to buy me a jersey. Will has to buy Griff a jersey of his choice. Well, the Giants are six and two right now. If they finish the season seven and ten, you have to buy me a jersey. We can talk logistics. No, Dude, I agree. Griff <laughs> agrees. Majority rules. <laughs> it's a democracy. Oh my god, dude, they, they can only win one more game. They're six and two. All right, it's, it's either that. Good. It's either that. You have to buy Jaden a PS Five. Yes. If they go seven and ten, you pick. Okay, I'll, I'll get you a jersey. Right, there we so go. We'll get, and I don't have fun uh, for PS Five. Seven and ten, and we'll also get my roommate a PS Five. It's a package deal. And if um, I win block of the week, then I also have to buy myself a jersey. Well, yes. If yes. I win block of the week, you have to buy yourself a jersey too. And I think. But if, if I Griff, win, then nothing. Yes. Oh no! Or, if I win, and you come. No, it's, it's if, if I came in second, then I don't have to buy a jersey. Yes. Yes, yes it's first it. or last. First or last. It's it's first or last. And as of right now, what what are the what are the standings? Will is in first two by games. two games, Ooh. followed by Stav. And then I'm one game behind stock. And if we if we if we're looking at the total projections, just like wrapping up this episode for week eight, we all went fifty three percent for the spreads, which is great. That's that's pretty good. I mean, over fifty percent is something that we'll always take. And then for over unders, I went sixty percent. Griff, nice. you went forty seven. Will, you went forty percent. 
I did say I was going to step up this week, and I did. You did. You did step mm-hmm. up. And with that being said, the total standings right now for picking the spreads, I'm in first place with 53%. Will, you're in second with 49%. And Griff, you're in third with 44%. Yeah, so if, you, if you've tailed my picks, you're above you're above uh, 50% on the year, which is profitable, most likely. Yes, it is profitable for spreads. Yeah, Are you kidding it. me? Yeah, that, that's profitable. Game. So that is profit. You are so if you profit. listen to every single one of my picks and bet every single one of my picks, you are up money right now. I expect a percentage of that. That's my final remark. Bob of the week, Derek Carr. <laughs> Bum of the week, Derek Carr. You heard it here. My bum of the week, since we're doing that, I kind of forgot about that. Zach Wilson, he sucks. And he, he, um, had, he had the worst quote post game. He literally, like, did you, I don't know if you guys heard this, but he was like, that he was asked about the losing streak or whatever against the Patriots. And he's like, we'll see these guys in three weeks. Yeah, you will. Yeah, you will. You yeah, will. It's literally on the schedule. You will see them in your. Oh my God. He's going to get booed out of his mind there. And he, he's done nothing to say that. That's like when Jaron Duran's like, we're, uh, if you're not a fan of us now, you're not going to be a fan of us when we're successful. It's literally yeah, I don't know why Jaron Duran ever said that. <laughs> <laughs> um, my bum of the week. Oh, you know, I had a few. I had a few, like, stars of the week, but I kind of want to carry on uh, the bum of the week. I'm going Amari Cooper um, just because that one pass that he threw. I mean, that was – I, he had 131 yards and a touchdown in this game, but that pass that he threw was literally to the other team. There was nobody else in sight. And it was early in the game. It was I at that point I thought Cincinnati was gonna kill him. They came back and won, but no matter what, Amari Cooper, he was an L for this weekend because of that one pass that he threw. So that's my bum of the week. I and I will not be saying a star of the week, but that is gonna wrap up this episode, correct? Yeah, I'm done. Yes. All right. Awesome. So uh, we hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, We will catch you guys on Saturday for our predictions, a little bit more MLB talk. Um, A few things I want to say before we get out of this podcast. Um, Go Coastal, beat App State. Um, That's about it. Anybody else? We good? Go Tigers. Have a good week. Enjoy your week and peace. Peace. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.